Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. First Thessalonians chapter 2, and I'm going to read one verse, that is verse 8, if you're turning there in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible today, you can look at the screen. They're going to, I think, be able to display this for you today and help you out. How many know the Word of God is powerful? Yeah, we have in the, in the Word, we're, we're in the New Testament here. And, and this is a great letter that's being written. It's being written by Paul to the church that was established at Thessalonica. And we're just going to read one verse, and then we'll flesh this out a little bit. I hope it's okay if we can have a little fun during our time. If you're one of those people that's just anti-fun, I'm sorry. <laughs> to all the anti-fun people, we're just going to try to have a little fun this morning. And I want to go ahead and give you a, before I read the scripture, I want to go ahead and give a promotion for tonight. We have been in a multi-week series of teaching and preaching through the tabernacle. And tonight, we are going to pray through the tabernacle with worship and prayer. It's the entire service. You do not want to miss it, okay? You don't want to miss this. You want to be here. I would encourage you to be here at 6 o'clock if you can for prayer. Service will start promptly at 6.30. So that is my live and in-person promotion to you, to those that have no choice, but you just, you watch with us online and you're one of our online members. You don't have the ability to be here. We want you to know we love you. We honor you and we pray that the power of God would fill your home right where you're at or the hospital where you're watching from. First Thessalonians chapter two and verse eight. So being affectionately desirous of you, Well, that sounds great, doesn't it? (laughs) Being affectionately desirous of you. We were willing to have imparted unto you. Not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls. Because ye were dear unto us. Paul said, we don't just want you to know the gospel. We want you to have fellowship with us. We want you to have a relationship with us. Because why? You're dear unto us. And I want to take those last last three words there of that scripture. And that's what I'd like to preach to you on this recognized as Valentine's Day this Sunday morning, I really want to preach to you, dear unto us. I think we all have somebody or some people that are dear unto us. Let me tell you two things before we ever get started. He better be dear unto us. His word needs to be dear unto us. 
and his body needs to be dear unto us. Amen? As we're in Pursue 2021, pursue God and pursue connections. Praise God. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for our opportunity to be together. I pray that you would bless every man, every woman. From the youngest to the oldest that's in this house, I pray that you would bless, help us mentally and emotionally, that we would receive from your word. God, that we would not settle, but that we would give our very best in worship and response. Help me to preach with wisdom and clarity. I pray that your word could be relayed wisely and also in such a way that it would be enjoyed. But Lord, if we don't enjoy it, help us to receive it. Help it to be something that can allow us to grow. We want to please you. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Would you clap your hands thunderously unto the Lord and give him praise? Amen. You may be seated. It seems to be a twisted tale of fact and fiction trying to get to the truth about why we're spending billions of dollars annually on this day. <laughs> and it's not just because playing mystery chocolate box isn't fun. I'm not sure. Who loves getting, I don't want to get anybody in trouble here. Who loves getting chocolates on Valentine's Day? You, you love, look, some of you are very happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Have you ever got the box of chocolates and it's missing the description paper? Isn't that really like walking through a field that's full of mines and you're just not sure? You ever, you ever bit into a chocolate and been like, bad decision? Really, you have to try to trace historically and you have to bypass the the old Roman look at what was a quite gruesome to get to some sense of an enjoyable modern day celebration. You might travel only back to a guy named Valentine who was born around 226. He's recognized and then not recognized. But for what it's worth, it seems to be a portion of both some truth, some legend. He was alive during the reign of Claudius II, who at that time, supposedly, was such a vicious leader, Brother Brown, that he didn't want anybody getting married. So he, he ceases marriages. And there's this little legend that Valentine is secretly marrying people. Because there was this exclusion from war that when war came about, and Claudius II was always sending people to war, that if they were married, they could stay home. He didn't want anybody married. He wanted everybody going to war. He wanted everybody fighting. He wanted to continue to win. We've got Valentine who ends up in prison. There is the story that the jailer's daughter was brought to him, that some kind of a relationship occurs there. One one strand of thought says that she was blind and, and she receives vision, but there is this held on to belief that in a letter that was written in some sense of affection to her, he, he signs it out, 
um, your Valentine. And hence the, the universal church kind of adopted uh, more of a February 14th love Valentine's Day. Tried to take it from what was more of a dark thing to a more universal celebration of love. Hence the reason that you have to buy Valentine's for your kids. <laughs> Thanks a lot. How many of you ever have, remember getting Valentine's in school? I think they have a little picture. Some of you, now you buy them for your kids to take to, to school. You, you, Valentine's, remember these? Come on, some of these, these are from some of your eras right here. Whoever got a Garfield? Remember Alf? Sorry, if you were really raised in church, you don't know Alf, but some... Some of y'all aren't supposed to know who Alf is, but you do. You want to be like, yeah. Oh. Your parents aren't here. You know who Alf? Yeah, 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 yeah. Minnie and Mickey. I don't care how churched you were. Okay. Minnie Mouse. They're not up here. I can remember, I can remember giving Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Valentines. Come on. Nothing says you're special like Michelangelo. <laughs> Remember the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles loved pizza? Does anybody remember that? Isn't that terrible? That, that's, that's lodged. I can't ever get rid of that. I saw a t-shirt. I, I saw a t-shirt of an oversized Ninja Turtle. It, maybe some of you have seen this. It's, it's one of the Ninja Turtles, but he's real like he's gained a lot of weight. He's pleasantly plump. He's biscuitous. <laughs> and, and he's got a slice of pizza and the words just say pizza ruined my life. <laughs> I remember giving these Valentines out. Some of you loved Valentine's Day at school or the day that you celebrated because you'd get Valentines from everyone. One of, the worst, one of the worst days ever is if you'd see them handing out Valentines and they'd be given a Valentine to every person and yours never came. I never liked you anymore. Remember, there were some really good Valentines. I'm going to tell you, I never had those real, this was about the extent of my Valentines. But every now and then, Brother Romine, some kids would bring in Valentines with candy attached. Bring in a sucker. Happy Valentine's Day to me. Happy Valentine's Day. Now, there is another great debate that is tied to Valentine's Day, and I would like to see where you stand, Calvary Tabernacle. I want to know what side of the spectrum you're on before we dive into this text. It's known as conversation hearts. Oh yeah, you feel the divide in the room, don't you? If you like, converse, if you like the taste of conversation hearts, I would like you to write your name. Or, I mean, I'd like you to raise your hand. Sorry, they're going to write your name. Okay. We'd like to have a meeting with you after. If you could keep your... Just kidding. Because there's nothing like the taste of chalk to say I love you. <laughs> I love you so much. I'd like you to have this box of nothing. You're the same people that like Necco wafers, aren't you? Yes, you are. Calm down. <laughs> Going and just skipping out of Cracker Barrel. Just, just skipping out. Got your Necco wafers. 
I can remember being in grade school and have a girl, you're always interested in what, remember passing these to people? Oh, come on now. Pass one to a girl, love you. They just pass it right back. <laughs> Kiss. <laughs> but Valentine's Day is something that needs to be a lot more for the church than some excuse to spend money. Some fabricated facade of love. For Webster says that love is a strong emotion to which I would tell you that is incorrect. I will tell you love is a choice. Love is a choice. Love is what you do when you do not want to love anymore. It's the choice you make to be consistent even when it is inconvenient. Because sometimes loving them is frustrating. Oh, I guess I ain't gonna have anybody be honest on that part right there. Sometimes loving him is obnoxious. Just squeeze his hand, just squeeze his hand, he'll know. Sometimes loving her, mm, can, I, can I take this a step further as we start to dive into the text? Sometimes loving the body of Christ can be a challenge. Because being connected to the body can set you up for some other things. Thessalonica, it was the largest city in first century Macedonia, and it was the capital of the Roman province. It's located there on the Ignatian Way, that major road from Rome to the eastern provinces. There it is understood currently as Thessaloniki. It it was a free city, and Paul and Silas and Timothy evangelized the city. And, and in my current 21st century thinking, I would have loved to have seen what it actually looked like for Paul and Silas and Timothy to walk into that city, this unchurched major capital, and simply begin preaching Jesus Christ. Can you imagine there were no billboards to rent out? There were no microphones to be had. But they walk into this major port and they begin to preach the power of the name of Jesus Christ. They had a very limited, a very short time there. But in their short time, they establish a church. Brother Bozinski, in a small season, Paul walks out with a living, breathing, thriving church in Thessalonica. Isn't it amazing that we so easily use the excuse of time? If I only had more time, when it is most often true, if we would live like we did not have more time, 
we would get more things done. If you would live like tomorrow was not an option, you would probably say, I love you today. If you would live like next week might not happen, you would probably surrender it all this week. And so they go in. Paul is somewhat like a bull in a china shop and he he is preaching and he is teaching and he is doing his best to establish a church and in fact he is he is gathering people he is establishing a work the problem is he was not there very long and so upon his exodus he begins to receive word that the church at Thessalonica has come under persecution. You know this, any time that you establish a work for Christ, there will be opposition. There will be opposition. Sister Mast, here they have got a work that is established They're trying to really get it off the ground, but there is a Roman culture and there is a pagan influence that is trying to get them to accept immoral behavior as normal. They're trying to push on them the agenda of a very sensual day. I hate almost to even say this out loud, but I want to tell you at least in this manner that, 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 that the degradation of sexual purity was at an all-time high. Pedophilia was rampant. Incest was absolutely on the rampage. They were pressing their agenda onto a group of Christians who had been established in this, in this city and they were completely outnumbered. Many scholars believe that this was Paul's first letter to ever write. That he writes this church a letter and he begins to implore them and he begins to strengthen them and we can even read where he sends Timothy to them. Because Paul is understanding something. For the church to really be the church, it will have to withstand opposition. Now let me walk this parallel here today. Because the church has always been established and understood as the definitive plan of God. It is the mind of God that the church exists. In that same mind, it was established that there would be relationship. For us, it would be holy matrimony. Now, don't worry. If you're not married, you're not going to be excluded from this. But if you are married, you need to listen. When people look at your marriage, we've been in our retreat the last two days, and it's been spectacular. When people look at your marriage, they are meant to see the type of Christ and the church. Marriages face opposition. People will lie on you. 
try to get you into trouble. Sometimes it doesn't take anybody but you. How many know sometimes you're the opposition? You're your own worst enemy. And so the marriage relationship that Paul was going to be working with them on and teaching them these Christian principles and morals was that we cannot be the church and still dabble in the things of the world. You can live in Thessalonica. Now listen, hear me. Paul's plan was not to establish a church in Thessalonica and then move them out of Thessalonica to a convent somewhere. It was to establish a church in the city, in this place that could then thrive. And it was not that everyone in Thessalonica would live for God, but whosoever will, let him come. I am not foolish enough to believe that being right here in Fountain Square, that we can win the entire city. If you ever hear me yell or preach or get excited, I understand our, our population. I'm not foolish enough to believe that, and I, I think I have scriptural understanding. But I, I am, I believe, wise enough to say, if we will have a solid church that will not bow and will not conform to the ideologies and the customs of the world, we can remain a light in a dark place and whosoever will, let him come. That's why it matters that the church is open and available. And Paul is writing them a letter when he could not go himself. And, and no, it wasn't a Garfield and it was not a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. It was a love letter to the church because this was oft the practice in the early church and in the culture of the day. I will send correspondence to you. I will send correspondence to you to remind you the value of our relationship. Has anyone ever received a card at just the right time? You received a love letter at just the right time? That's always the right time. Someone drop you maybe a card in the mail. Some of you students know what I'm talking about. Somebody give you a card and you open it up and it's got $20 in it. Ooh, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Receiving that correspondence. And the older I get, I think the more sentimental I am. I have this big shoebox filled with all of these cards. My, my grandparents that have already passed and I have their words in, in it that have been pinned onto that card. And I, every now and then if I, I'm putting something in, I, I might pull that out every handful of years and just kind of look through those old cards and remember the correspondence. And Paul was telling them, I'm not with you. I will come to you again, but I, I need you to know something. You've got to be strong. You've, you've got to hold to this. And back to our text now with this somewhat framed in, I would like for us to read it again together. And I, I would like to preach, I would like to launch, as it were, for a, a short while off of this text in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 8. So being affectionately desirous of you, 
We were willing to have imparted unto you, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear to us. You did not look like us, but you were dear to us. You do not have it all figured out yet, but you are dear to us. You don't have the history of this. And I know you never walked with Christ. And, and Paul was thinking, I bear some of that. It, it took a Damascus Road incident for, for me to even feel like I was one of the guys. But I need you to know, while maybe you live in a perverse city, in a perverse time, you are dear unto us. Now, it is one thing for us to consider family members, and it is easy for us to take those words, those historically weighty words, and think of how easily it might be to apply those, whether in a phone conversation or through a text. But imagine not the weightiness of those words to a family member that is by your own bloodline or lineage, but imagine those same words being to a man or a woman that possibly sets in another section of this church who you have not yet met or you do not yet know and maybe has no long history with Calvary Tabernacle. It is to you that I say in front of every established member that is in this place, you are dear unto us. Yes, you are. To the children who are in our Sunday school today who do not have a long Pentecostal lintage and they do not have any historical uh, data that would show why they belong in the church. We need them to know they are dear unto us. How about to a city government that seems not to be pressing for the things of righteousness, yet we still gather on a weekly basis and we pray for the blessing and the peace and the strength of God. Why? Because there are churches that have been established in Indianapolis and we are open for whosoever will. So we cry to any believer at any level. I'm going to say that again. We cry to any believer at any level. You are dear unto us. When they came to Christ and they questioned those who were not lining up exactly, he looked back and said, if they are not against us, then they are for us. We are not trying to win an argument on the most popular church. We are not trying to win an argument about the most uh, talented church. But we do want to get in this charity conversation that we love people because we cannot love God if we do not love people. I cannot say that I love him who I have not seen if I cannot love those who I you're dear unto us. The strength of this relationship is not even meant to be a letter shared that you would pin yourself, but it is the great and overwhelming task of having the ability to share a love letter that you yourself did not write. If you are here today, it is not 
It might be because of relational value with another member of Calvary Tabernacle. And if you came with someone, that relationship is so important and it is so necessary. But I would let you know we are all here because of a love letter that we did not pin. And it is much greater than some simple Valentine's Day where we want to hand out roses that will wither and chocolates that will spoil. It is much greater than something that we could try to mass market and something that we could try to try to get billions of dollars to, to be spent so that economy could boost. And that's fine. I'm not, I'm not against that at all. But I'm telling you this, the love letter that we are talking about here today lets you know that regardless of the color of your skin and regardless of your background and regardless of your economic status, that you are dear unto us. Dear unto us which brings me to my question Paul if they're dear unto you why is it so that you can build a mega church in Thessalonica <laughs> do you ever want to have conversations with some of the authors I do the way that they write certain things, the way that they work certain things in. I, I want to ask them. Go over to chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians 4. This attack that was against them. Since this is a day when so many focus on love, Let's address the way Paul asks them to focus on love and focus on the way that they treat their body and the way that they guard themselves. 1 Thessalonians 4, look at verse 3. For this, verse 3, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Not, not, <laughs> not, not in lust. I don't care what the world says is okay. Wow. Wow. It's not, ab it's not about lust. He takes a little shot at the Gentiles there. He said, don't defraud your brother. Go down to verse 7. God hath not called us to uncleanness, but unto holiness. Church, let me speak to you for a second. Hear my heartbeat right now. We should not make people afraid of the word holiness. We cannot, we must not Use holiness as a weapon word. Ooh, I feel something here right now. I... Holiness is God's. And he is addressing them. In the purity of the text, he is saying, you are to worship God in holiness, which means in a separate nature. You are in Thessalonica, but you are Christ's. 
You are in Thessalonica, but you are not of Thessalonica anymore. Go over to chapter 5. Verse 4, chapter 5, verse 4. But ye brethren are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day, not of the night, not of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. Let us watch and be sober. Jump down to verse 9. For God hath not appointed unto us wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Jump over to verse 23, all the way to verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what Paul did not do. He did not slide a shallow valentine across the table. He did not give them out a little card because mom said everybody in the, in the class deserves a card. So you got to take one for, I don't want to take one for Billy. You got to, I don't like Billy. Billy picks his nose. You got to, you got to take one for everybody. You got to give a valentine. Paul wasn't doing this as some generic, please catch this. He was not doing this as some generic rhetoric. We must be careful that we do not turn the church into generic rhetoric. Pastor, I've never heard you talk like this. I'm sorry. It's how I feel. We cannot say things like praying for you if we're not praying for them. We cannot use words like I love you if there is no fruit of love Paul was not writing the letter because he was worried about the work being snuffed out so that he would have to take it off his tally list. Uh, Paul, I thought you had a work in Thessalonica. Well, we got a little thing going. We got just, we got a few. Paul was worried about their souls. Paul knew this was not just about having a church, but if I can truly love them as members of the body, even though distance and time has somewhat separated us, if I will speak to them not what maybe their ears want to hear and not what maybe would make them feel better, but if I can remind them the weightiness of what they're doing and the eternal truth about how they're living, then maybe, just maybe, they will refocus their minds on the fact that they are meant to be loved, separate, and righteous until the coming of the Lord. And that is my truth in love to every person that is here today. Whether a first-time visitor or you have been here for decades, I would tell you right now, with love, the greatest way I know how, you need to be separate from the world. 
You need to live for God unequivocally. You need to give everything you have unto him, regardless of the opposition that comes from Thessalonica or the surrounding pressures, regardless of your family pressures. Yes, regardless of your friendship pressures. Regardless of those that are near to you and even possibly dear to you that want you to believe it does not matter. I would grab the New Testament megaphone with Paul and I would remind you, he is coming back. Paul was writing to them in an absolutely disastrous atmosphere and he was saying keep yourself pure not because it's easy keep yourself righteous not because it's popular keep yourself holy not even because it's acceptable but do it because he is coming back for the church stand with me in this house Dear unto us. You've got to be dear enough under me, unto me that it's more than conversation heart roulette. <laughs> Love you. Some of you think you can taste the difference between the flavors. False. <laughs> False. <laughs> you know what you can taste the difference between? Genuine love. And empty words. People know whether you love them. Now we live in a very cynical world. And for some receiving love is very tough. Please hear me. For some of you psychologically and emotionally, receiving love is very tough because you are so constricted by your childhood. Or you went through such an abusive relationship that actually feeling love and receiving love is always looking through a skeptical lens. But the best I know how to say, I want us to be a church that loves that really loves. <clears throat> we want to love the college students that we don't know. We don't want to shuffle them through like just another class as if they're another face in the crowd for if God is concerned enough to know the number of hairs on your head then I want to do my best to know your name. To the couple who walks in 
that their entire upbringing, being married, has never even been a concern. And they come here and they're not yet married and they have children of their own. It is not our job to police them as soon as they walk in the doors and treat them as though they are less. Because this is a house of love. Pastor, don't you think that they need to get married? No, but his word thinks they need to get married, so they'll probably get there. But I would like them to have enough time to feel the love of the body, to be able to have a Bible study to understand what holy matrimony actually means. To the drug addict that walks in here whose life is all but over, to the alcoholic who's been through every step they can and still cannot find escape. We want this to be a safe place. A safe place where love is on display. Would you lift your hands with me all over this house right now? We lift up holy hands, come on, all over this house. For the one who's gone through divorce, we need you to know that this is a place where you're loved. For the one who's been through hurt and abuse, we want you to know this. You're dear unto us. Whew. For the one who's been fighting through some mental battles, we want you to know you're dear. This is more than some simple valentine slid across the table that doesn't matter to us. And it's, it, you just get another one in the crowd. We didn't even think about which one you got. You're dear unto us. What about the single dad or the single mom? who we don't identify with because that's not our life and that's not our context and, and we don't know the pressures of being a single parent and we don't know what it feels like to walk into church as a single parent with your children but thank God for the church and thank God for the body that says I know you've been through some things but you are dear unto us. I'm going to give a very special appeal because I believe so strongly in what it means to take a move to the altar. There are some people in this room today that have been overwhelmed by the circumstances of life. This altar is open for you right now. That's right. This altar is open. I want our ministers to come. Some of you in this place right now, you have been battling very specific circumstances. You've been overwhelmed by things that have gone wrong or people that have done you wrong or situations that have turned on you. I believe the love of God is on display in this altar right now. Come on, we want people to feel the strength and the touch of God. I'm speaking to some single parents right now that I'm asking you not to miss this moment. I want you to come to the front of this altar and I want you to be enveloped in love in this body. Come on, I want you to walk down. I don't want you to be overwhelmed by the things that are taking place in your life. I'm talking to some moms and some dads. I'm talking to some young adults. For some of you that are single, this is a tough day for you because of what culture has made it. But I want you to hear this. You're dear unto us.